Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I'd like to begin this morning by asking you a question. What are you struggling with? What are you struggling with? If you normally went to our 815 service, you might be struggling with the fact that you had to wait this morning until 9 o'clock to come to church. Conversely, if you normally come to our 1045 service, you might have struggled this morning getting up out of bed earlier than you normally had to do to come worship our Lord and Savior Jesus. The struggle is real. For some of you, the struggle might be with a relationship, whether it's with a spouse, significant other, brother, sister, children, grandchildren, co-worker. For some of us, we are struggling with a relationship that we have with another person. The struggle is real. For others of us, the struggle might be work-related. Maybe it's a busy time of year for you at work, or because school is out for the summer, many of your co-workers are now going on vacation, and so you have to help pick up the slack because there are fewer people there to do the job. And so your stress level has moved up to DEFCON 3. The struggle is real. Or perhaps your struggle is health-related. Whether it's your health or the health of a family member or a co-worker or friend, that lab report that came back, and some of the numbers in the blood work are a cause for concern. And now there's a long unexpected wait because the next available appointment isn't for another six weeks with that specialist. The struggle is real. The Apostle Paul, in his letter to the church in Rome, warns his hearers about a struggle that is all too real. Beginning at verse 12 of chapter 6, he wrote, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness. In other words... Continually resist the reign of sin in your mortal body, which seeks to fulfill its sinful desires. Do not allow one member or one part of your body to succumb to this wickedness. Here St. Paul urges the church in Rome and us to engage in this ongoing struggle or battle and not let sin regain control of us By giving in to our mortal body's desires. Yes, that struggle is real. Sin is winning and regaining its foothold when, instead of living for God, we as believers are responding to our mortal body's desires. Resisting sin is a constant struggle each and every day for all of us who are baptized into Christ's death. And made alive in his resurrection. Contrary to what some people teach, 
sin and the temptation to sin will remain with us the rest of our mortal life. In fact, in chapter 7 of this letter, Paul laments this sinful state in his own life, illustrating that all of us need to realize this struggle is real. Refusing to let sin reign in our lives, however, is only part of the struggle as believers in Christ. Paul also encourages us to this positive activity of putting ourselves into service for God. Instead of succumbing to evil. Paul urges us in the last half of verse 13. But present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And your members to God as instruments for righteousness. The key point here is that another option exists. Since you as a believer in Jesus have died to sin in baptism. From earlier in Paul's letter in chapter 6. You are no longer a slave to sin and its tyranny. You are under something new. That is God's grace. Paul wrote as much here in verse 14. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. Years ago, when... Our boys were young, somewhere around that height. Dolly and I decided that certain rules were just simply necessary. At the time, our little candy-loving boys would have been pleased as punch to have for breakfast sour punch straws, gummy bears, and peanut butter cups, of all things. Especially when it followed a holiday that had a lot of candy like Halloween, Christmas, those type of things. So therefore, we enacted a rule, no candy for meals. Now I know what you're probably thinking. How could we be such cruel parents? What kind of tyrannical parents decide to take the freedom of their children away by robbing them of having candy for breakfast. What better way could there be to start the day than to have candy first thing in the morning? Now, of course, you would never ask such questions, right? Because you have no problem understanding that the rule in this situation was meant for the benefit of our boys. It's not about tyranny. It's about our love for them. It's not about robbing them of their freedom. It's about promoting it. But for some reason, when it comes to our relationship with God, which is described as a parent-child relationship, we have a difficult time understanding this same concept. God's rules aren't those of a tyrant trying to rob us of our freedom. They are the rules of a loving Father who knows what's best for us. Martin Luther put it this way, For He will not come around to our way of thinking and be changed for us, so that we may become His friends and sons, 
Therefore, we do not have to fear him, nor any of the things which he wills and loves. But this cannot happen unless we have his spirit, so that in the same spirit we love the same things which he loves, and hate the things which he hates in the same way that he does. For we cannot love those things which God loves unless we have the love and will and spirit which he has. For if there must be conformity in the things to be loved, there must also be conformity in the feeling of love. And those people are called God-like men and sons of God because they are led by the Spirit of God. The way God sees you as his son or daughter is not merited by your efforts or intentions. God sees you as a son or daughter solely on account of the work of His Son, Jesus. Grace is the pronouncement of your relationship to the Father. And it has nothing to do with whether you are a well-behaved child of God. By the grace of God, slaves become sons and daughters. Those held captive in their disobedience have been set free by the obedience of Jesus. Paul then, in light of the gospel, raises the question, now what? What does the freedom of the gospel look like when we try to live as sons and daughters of the one true king? And this is what he wrote in response to that. Are we to sin because we are not under law but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone... As obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching by which you were committed, and having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness." I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now Ashamed, for the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and to that end eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The old Adam in us always chooses slavery. There's a tendency for us as men and women to make up our own rules, regardless of the consequences. C.F. Kettering, father of the automobile's self-starter, has a story that upholds the theory that ignorance is bliss. He said, We had a convention of household electric plant distributors in Dayton some years ago. Each man was required to tell how much it would cost him to wire a room. 
Finally, one big breezy fellow named Bill got up and said, Why, I can wire a room for half of what these fellows are talking about. So the next day, we took him to a room and told him to wire it his way. To our amazement, he merely fastened the wire to the wall with staples. But you can't put up electric wiring that way, I said to him when he was done. It's against the fire underwriter's code. What's that? asked Bill. I gave him the code book of the underwriters and told him to study it overnight. The next morning he laid the book on my desk and said, The more a fellow knows in this country, the less liberty he's got. Of course, Bill's conclusion is ridiculous. The code was written to protect people from faulty wiring. And this electrician's renegade approach would have been disastrous. In the same way, following God's word brings safety, direction, effectiveness, and confidence. In a word, we gain freedom when we follow His plan. When we ignore His plan and make up our own rules, things will eventually go wrong. They will fail. The old Adam in us always chooses slavery. Whether he's bemoaning the shackles of the law's condemnation or the willing submission to a master who oppresses and abuses, the old Adam repeatedly walks into captivity. The struggle is real. The old Adam, when hearing the freedom of the gospel, tries to run away from it, fearing that its message is, well, simply too good to be true. But when the old Adam finally runs out of steam and gives up the fight, he's made new by the death of the Son, Jesus. The one who never could be enslaved by sin or the law. Our Lord and Savior Jesus did what the old Adam never could. He kept God's laws perfectly and fulfilled it in all righteousness. By His perfect obedience and sacrifice on the cross, Jesus made the old Adam in you new and set you free. He became sin in order to set you free. With His death and resurrection, the chains fall and the cellar doors open. The wages of sin are fully paid. Eternal life, the gift of God freely given to you, is yours by faith in His Son, our Lord and Savior. This is most certainly true. To God alone be all the glory. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all human understanding, guard our hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.